The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Hey, welcome to Unhindered, class number four. Yeah. So um, I brought in a book that Gil wrote. It's called Unhindered. Just to... um, just to let you know, a lot of the material or our referencing also comes from that book, and it's quite good. Um, so I just wanted to encourage people to know about it. And if you are interested in reading a little bit more, they're pretty short chapters, but they have some nice questions and explorations for you in them. So if you're interested in taking your studies of the hindrances a little further, you might check out one of the books you get it you have to order it on Amazon we don't have them here I'm so glad you're going to (laughs) stay so I'm Tanya Weiser and I'm Diana Clark so tonight's um, hindrance is restlessness and worry but before we talk about that we want to check in about how um, people's reflections kind of Practices went last week with the hindrance from last week. So you were here. Was anybody else here last week? But I think it's worth reading the reflections. It was ill will. So, um, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so the invitation was during this week, spend some time examining any aversions that might arise for you. These might be small movements of the mind or major outbursts. Notice how it affects the quality of your mind and thinking. Can you detect any hostility with the aversion? In situations where it is okay to do so, allow the aversion to be present without judging it, without acting on it, and without abandoning it. And notice how this impacts you. So that was the invitation, and maybe some of you have worked with uh, ill will, and aversion, or you have questions or reflections you'd like to share. So I'm going to um, hand out microphones. So you can feel free to share or not. Just turn it on before you try talking. And just last week we were exploring what does it feel like to have aversion? What does it feel like sometimes to have aversion to aversion? And sometimes when aversion is mixed in with hostility, it becomes ill will. And so at the end of the class, we set you home with some homework as to uh, how does this feel in your life? And so whether you've spent the week doing this or not, you may have some experience in your life of having ill will. Did you, like me... It is, but they're not all posted yet. We're having a little bit of a difficulty getting them up. So they will be. Does anybody want to comment on AOL? Yes. Hi, my name is Monica, and I missed previous classes, but it seems the topics are very similar to every classes that you go to. So I find this topic very much, you know, close to my heart because, in a way, I am experiencing it almost every day. As I was walking here, crossing the street, I was thinking that 
I, I just hope tonight we get a chance or I get some sort of answers, some, some things that I'm looking for on how to deal with all these challenges. And I know I get some tips from different instructors. I mean, I can go on, but I don't want to take away a lot of time from everybody. It, it's the situation usually I run into at work that something happens and then I feel that I'm reacting to it and it's like gets bigger and bigger, and then it goes like a ping pong ball between people, and it kind of spirals down. And sometimes I feel like get not physically, but like internally, like emotional aggression towards a situation or a person, or you know. And on one end, I keep catching myself, and I'm like, okay, don't go there, don't go there. You know, you don't. You have to just like stop, pause. I sometimes feel like I'm. I have to repent. Okay, I, I repent for even the thought of it, or even, or even the talks. You know, then I ask myself: Is this ill will, or is it like, is it like some serious issue that needs attention? Am mm-hmm. I overreacting? Am I? I'm like going with a lot of push, pull, push, pull. I can't. I. I have a hard time really dealing with it because it's a lot of internal challenge and fight and, you know, arguments with myself. And sometimes I say things and I regret it because I feel like, why did I say this? It's going to cause this person some sort of a harm. Maybe he loses his job. Maybe something else happens. At the same time, I find the situation so so difficult that I can't put up with it. And don't ask me, leaving the job is not an option. So <laughs> that, that's, that's the struggle. And I mean, I come here on weekends sometimes, I feel more at peace. I feel like, okay, I find that balance. Monday morning, I go to work. It doesn't take me two hours that I feel like all these anxiety, stress, attacks, talks, it's like non-stop. And I sometimes try to like pause and look at it. Okay, I am experiencing this towards this person, right? I mean, I learned this technique recently, so I'm trying. I say, okay, I'm experiencing real, real anger towards what he said or what he did. I'm really stressed out about the situation, hoping that it's going to make me feel better and I'm separating myself from it. Two minutes later, he's back again and back again. It's like a non-stop reviewing of the events and and things that happens that basically triggers it, but then makes it worse and worse. It's like a spiral that keeps going. I don't know if other people experience similar things in their work environment, but this is what it is, and it, it's challenging. I really, really don't know sometimes how to deal with it. Repenting is one thing, but it, it's just difficult. So any tips would be helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Do, you. do you want to say something, Tanya, or would you like me to say something? I can go either way. I'll let you go. I think that um, there's something in what one thing I'll address, right? There's lots in here, lots. And, and let me thank you for your intention 
to pay attention. And I hear in there an intention to, or a wish to not cause harm. And I hear in there that you get caught in this energy that's just building and building and spiraling and spiraling. And I also um, hear in there this idea that if you're calm, it means you won't do anything about it. And what I would propose is that it's the hindrance that makes us uncalm. And that when we connect with the truth of what is, we can still respond. That in this practice, it doesn't mean that we do nothing. It just means that we do something with wisdom and compassion and non-reactivity. That's the goal, right? So I think there's a lot in there and even the hindrance we'll talk about tonight, which is restlessness and worry is in there um, in that way that things keep circling around and around and around and around. And that is a hindrance that when, when, as with all of them really, but when we, when we get caught in it over and over and over again, it becomes a pattern, a habit. And so part of then what we also have to deal with is how do we disengage from a habit but not dismiss the truth that needs to be connected with. The, not dismiss the, the suffering. You want to add anything? Yeah, so maybe I'll add some, uh, to add on top of what Tanya said, some practical tips too, right? When we have something that happens recurring, it can be enormously helpful to look underneath what is fueling it. We have some beliefs that these people should be different, I should be different, the workplace should be a place that has X, Y, Z. Look at those beliefs and see if we can soften around them. Because there may be even beliefs underneath that. I'm the world should be safe. The world should be harmonious. I'm just making these up. But you may find your own beliefs and see if you can soften those those beliefs that are um, fueling the the habits that are getting there. I'm not saying this is easy or straightforward, but to often to look underneath. And then another one is to as much as possible. I don't know how much it is possible. Is to, there's this expression, um, guard the sense doors, that is, pay attention to what you are paying attention to. Are you listening to everybody? I did this when a work situation. Like we would bond over how much we disliked, you know, somebody else from this other department, right? But then that just like fuels this feeling of discontent or thing like this. So find a way to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Are you... In those types of conversations, of course, you're going to feel more. Are you um, 
watching, I don't know what it would be exactly, but pay, uh, be uh, careful with how you spend your time and with what you're paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Of course you have to be at work, but you, you know, if there's pr- people that tend to be toxic or, or uh, encourage these feelings in you, maybe spend less time with them or share with them. You know what um, is also, you know, you're pointing to something and it's to pay attention to what you're not paying attention yeah. to, too, right? So we're used to noticing the stuff that we don't like and that's bothering us. Um, but what is it that is happening that maybe is good? What is it that's happening that um, is neutral, Right? Um, where is there a safe space to be, a moment even, or, or a moment of authenticity, or a moment of calm? You know, just to remember that it's important to notice those things as well. And that's partly very effective at shifting the mind from the object that will feed the hindrance to an object that may help um, facilitate the development of and cultivation of, of more um, useful states. Can I continue? Um, these are great points, and I deep, deeply appreciate that. I think the situation is more like if I can detach myself from it, but it doesn't address the issue. Right. So either, either I have to jump in and get dirty and do all these things and say the things that I... I'm feeling extremely uncomfortable about it or I have to just like pretend it doesn't exist and go in a different world and I'm perfectly fine with that world except in that case I think I'm not doing my job. (laughs) So, I mean, how far is it okay to really go there and deal with the problem head on and not feeling so guilty about it and not feeling so kind of that level of aggression in there. <laughs> well, that, that, I mean, I think that's the issue is that you can, you can speak without harshness, anger, ill will. Mm-hmm. You can speak firmly. You can communicate. This is kind of the idea that you don't have to be inactive. Mm-hmm. Calmness and, and equanimity don't require non-action. So let's say even if I, with calmness, I state certain things that are my facts. It might be not true, right? But at least this is how I feel. This is how I see the situation. But that, it's going to harm somebody, okay? It's going to like harm, meaning like not physical harm, but as a result of that, a person might lose their job, might lose some benefit, might lose something. But this is a situation that I see it, and it's not like only once or twice or ten. It has been happening for a long time. So if I'm dealing with it head on, let's say no emotions, no anger, no anxiety about it, still is something that is going to be eventually harmful to somebody. They're going to lose money. They're going to, I mean, I think about their kids. I think about their family. I think about, I care about them as a family, as a person, as a, but then when it comes to workplace, it's simply not working. So, again, addressing it is extremely difficult because I have this interpersonal challenge. 
that I don't want to go there to harm this person. So I keep praying. You know, I don't know really what else to do. I keep praying that I hope this situation gets resolved. But I don't know really how to avoid it. I mean, it, it's just there. And it's really causing myself a lot of internal challenge. Yeah. So no one is more important than we are, right? We're all equally important. And I think an issue that comes up for me is ethical action. What's the right ethical action? And that sometimes we think we're causing harm. Maybe we're actually causing harm by not addressing something sometimes too. Do you want to say anything else? Yeah, um, time. Timeliness is really important. Like when we say something. And maybe to whom we say it. Maybe we speak to a person directly before we speak to a third person. Like these types of things need to uh, be considered. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Joe. <clears throat> and um, yesterday I had an opportunity to, opportunity to practice uh, my awareness of ill will and <laughs> and I basically I, I didn't cut the guy off I was just merging with traffic and he comes up real fast behind me and pulls right up on my bumper and he's got this big ram charger you know uh, truck huge tires you know and I thought I'm not going to let him do this to me <laughs> start throwing my fist up and and he was you know the guy really was agitated about something and it just I became a convenient target and I thought well and I realized what I was doing at the time that was just it I could see myself doing this and I go you know do I really want to do this no I don't and on the other side I thought well, what, what are options do I have right now and I didn't really see any in that moment mm-hmm. it was just that you know it was like two alpha males going at it and uh so maybe you have an, maybe you can offer a suggestion. Maybe I need to figure out how to to deal. You know, how am I going to work with something like this in the future, rather than react to this guy? But I, but to be passive was not an option I gave myself at the time. So you, I mean, it's interesting because you said it was the only option I could see at the time. But what about right now? Right now, there's not much in the toolbox to, um, I think if I were confronted again with him, there's, there's a part of me that just wanted, I think in a way, I wanted to react. And it was like, like okay, he was taking this opportunity to react. Maybe I should do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the unconscious it, logic that was there. Yeah. And how did it feel to react? It didn't feel good. Okay. It did not feel good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I suppose one option would be just to wave and smile and go on. You know, that maybe that's. There yeah. you go. You got an option right there. There's an option <laughs> there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and and to notice what comes up when you think about that. Well, now that comes to you know this whole male training that I had growing up, and I'm supposed to react, and nobody, you know. Mm-hmm. You're not going to let somebody push you around, are you? You know, mm-hmm. you need right. to stand up for yourself. The guy was obviously in the wrong, mm-hmm. 
Right. Um, so there's a lot of conditioning that a we, lot have, of conditioning we have there. to work with. Yeah. Right? A yeah. lot of conditioning. And all com- that all comes up in the moment. You don't see That's, it coming. It's, yeah. it's sitting in the background somewhere. Yeah. 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 Hmm. But if you, you know, you, you can take incidents after they've happened and sit down with yourself mm-hmm. and reconnect with mm-hmm. the emotions that were present. What did it feel like in my body? Mm-hmm. Notice what happened in the mind, right? Like clamping down. I don't have a choice here. I can't let this guy, you know, kind of bully me. I, you know, just to sort mm-hmm. of really with, with awareness witness um, sort of the thoughts and feelings that arise and notice the impact. Mm-hmm. Notice how as soon as you kind of get locked into a view about, nope, I'm a guy, I've got to confront this. It's almost, it's pretty hard to shift out of that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You kind of just... Yeah, I mean, analyzing it and, you know, it, the opportunity will come up again, I suppose. It's a good idea to sit down and yeah. you know, do a forensic evaluation of... I think that another mm-hmm. thing I'll just say is the practice that I've done is um, to try to ha- have a, an intention to offer safety to others. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that intention comes up if I have somebody that's kind of encroaching on my space in some way, that my bigger intention that I need to reinforce for myself is to offer safety. And so if I'm operating from that place as opposed to another place, mm-hmm. my reaction is really different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? My reaction is really different. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that might be something to, to think about as well. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe I'll just add a little bit that I had the same experience yesterday. It wasn't a big Dodge Ram truck, but somebody that was like right on my tail. And I was watching myself. Oh, here's ill will. Wow, this is how it feels. And then the ill will would soften and there would be again when I look at my rearview mirror and here's all I see is somebody's uh, grill. And then the ill will would come up again. I'm like, oh, what's this person doing? Oh wow! Like this, I feel hot. I feel agitated. I feel uncomfortable. And then, as I was noticing how it felt, it would go back down. And I look in the rearview mirror; it goes up again. And then I'd be with it, and it goes down. This is the practice. We're just to be with what is. So, kind of, it's um, just what you guys were talking about, but kind of like in real time, you can do that. You can. No, I, I hear that, and it, it seems to me that that's an, that's one of the choices would be to sit, take that opportunity yeah. to see what's going on internally, yeah. and to use it as a learning experience you yeah. know, rather than carry through with a you know, some kind of reaction. Yeah, thank you. So I had the same thing happen a couple of days ago. <laughs> Traffic, and um, and I. It just sort of felt, I mean, the, the tension of it is it, right. My whole body was so mm-hmm. tense. And so I just kept kind of trying to breathe. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to move over. I'm talking to myself. I'll move over as soon as it's appropriate and safe for me to do. They're really impatient. They want me to move over when it's really not safe. I'm not going to do it yet. But I had to kind of just, okay, okay, Tanya, okay, Tanya. Okay, now you can move, right? And, um, but it was quite something to stay, you know, with it. And, and 
um, kind of try and notice how, like, so much of, it's like my whole body wanted to pop up out of my head. Like, I, I, it was weird, right? And my senses all clamped down, right? Everything got narrow. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe we'll talk about restless. Oh, do you have something that you'd like to say? Um, I was say I think, um, Use the mic, please, because it's on a recording. Oh. So. That's good. Um, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've been meditating for a while, and I like what you talked about, like feeling what was happening. And I experience that all the time and that helps me you know calm down um, in these situations and I think as you practice more and more you get more connected with your feelings you understand it a bit more and then you know it, it and, and you know like you know this is this is like me feeling something versus you know the situation may not be as intense but it's just me feeling something and that's how my body is uh uh, you know, reacting to, and I don't need right. to do anything about it, or or maybe do a little bit about it. You know, just breathe a little. Right. Um, I think for you, uh, like you t- talking about the workplace uh, thing, I just can um, help but suggest a book called Crucial Con- Conversations. Um, it's it's an amazing book, very practical about workplace communication, but at the core of it, it's all you know mindful. Um, thing like you creating safe environment to have challenging discussions with people um, and another thing that I do on daily basis is like when I um, catch myself feeling you know um, anxious or or you know because of work situation or anything I immediately put my attention at least 50% of my attention on my feet in the lower part of the body I just take my attention away from my mind and I put it on my, put it on my feet and that's it so that kind of helps me break the cycle. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so restlessness is the hindrance for this evening. I think all of us are familiar with restlessness, this feeling of can't quite settle down. And it can be either a physical feeling of like an agitated energy, too much caffeine maybe type of feeling, as well as a... Um, a feeling with the mind where we can't quite settle onto the object and maybe hovering above or shaking around or something like this. But there's also a subtle movement of restlessness. And that is with the mind, we may not notice this until there's a certain amount of settling that happens with meditation. But this kind of always wanting to see more, look at more, understand more, or something like this, right? And we may, in our daily lives, have this as a profession, right? That we discover things or investigate things. But it can also, in meditation, it can lead to an unsettledness, always looking, looking, trying to find something. So it's both this obvious expression of restlessness as well as a subtle movement in the mind, that when we are settled, Maybe the mind just slips out, has a few thoughts, and comes right back. Maybe we're not even identified with the thoughts because we're so settled, but just those types of movements. So I'll say that restlessness is uh, one of the last things that gets 
how should I say, resolved uh, in the kind of Buddhist practice. So arhats, completely awakened people, don't have restlessness. All the rest of us do. So it's a part of our life. It's just, and it shows up in all aspects in our life in different ways. Some of the conditions of like uh, encourage restlessness to arise is one way is to be really invested in our thoughts and in such a way that we're somehow convinced that if I could just figure this out or if I just think my way through, then I'll find a solution. So then we're just like thinking, 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 right? The kind of looking, looking, looking for uh, the answers. Of course we think this way, right? Again, because in our daily lives, we do this. We use our minds to solve problems or to find solutions. But meditation and Buddhist practice is pointing towards a type of wisdom that's different than just knowledge. A type of wisdom that comes from an embodied sense. That comes from creating the conditions for like some wisdom to arise. Or maybe some intuitive sense of something. So as opposed to always having to go out and search and find the answers and just settle down and allow the answers to arise. Another thing that can promote uh, restlessness if we spend a lot of time kind of like rehearsing with self-judgment or self-recrimination, something like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. That feeling, wow, is that painful, right? So one thing is to, rather than guilt, which is not really useful, but to have remorse that is, to what is it like to have the experience right now of having this memory of how I did something unwholesome, unskillful, something I regret? And just feel it, be with it, and you can contemplate, what can I learn from this? What can I gain from this that can help my life, that can help my meditation practice? And then let it go as best you can. So instead of the self-judgment, recrimination, I'm a bad person because I did this, instead, like, okay, this is how it feels. What, what is there to learn here? What can support me here? As opposed to making up an identity about ourselves of being a person that does or doesn't do certain things. There's a number of things we can do to work with restlessness. One is to have, like, a wide-angle lens view that is to create a container in which the energy can be like bouncing around within it so but we have a really wide uh, awareness uh, joseph goldstein and an esteemed teacher in our tradition i really like one of the descriptions that he gave he said it's he imagines having a frame around a jackson pollock painting so for those of you who know <laughs> This is Jackson Pollock. He's a gestural painting, and he would take his paintbrush and he would like flick it onto the canvas. So the canvas just has all these flicks of paint, and there's a certain amount of chaos and busyness. So Joseph's idea was like, just like put a frame around this painting. It's kind of a way just to hold it. And we put frames on paintings as a way to help us see the painting. So it's. Well, I'm sorry? But it's the idea, right? (laughs) 
So you can also do the opposite. So unlike a wide lens, it can be more like a zoom lens. Like what does it feel like? What does this restlessness feel like in the body? Is it more in the mind or is it in the body? You can, like, uh, which can be hard to do. If you're feeling restless, it can be really hard to stay on an object. But maybe there may be something that you can uh, rest on. Maybe even just noticing, is this more a mental, or is it a body, or is it both? Maybe even that kind of an investigation can help. And then um, also we can soften any striving we may have. This feeling like, oh, i got to solve this. I have to fix this, or I have to get concentrated, or something like this. Can we soften that? Can we notice that's what's happening? And maybe feel like, oh, this is what it feels like to be efforting, striving, straining. And see if we can back off a little bit. Soften as best that we can. Sometimes that over-efforting gets expressed as restlessness. And we can just recognize that awareness is here. We just have to allow it to show itself. We don't have to make it happen. We don't have to go find it. We can just allow it to show itself, like maybe move some of the things that are getting in the way to the side, if that makes any sense. Then maybe the last thing I'll say before we move on is just like we were talking about with ill will, to notice if we do have some beliefs that are fueling our restlessness. If I were a good meditator, I would never have physical discomfort. If uh, people should always behave this way and those people who don't behave this way are somehow bad. Or, you know, just notice if we have some ideas and... Sometimes just noticing those beliefs can soften our identification or holding on to them. But it can be really helpful if we're finding that we can't really settle down. Like, what's underneath? What belief is underneath there? So there's a, um, the hindrance in Pali means um, something that's covered. Do you know the Pali word for that, Diana? Nivarana. Nivarana. So, you know, what you're talking about is, so a hindrance operates and it covers, right? covers what's there. So it's like, can you take the cover off? (laughs) Nice, that's nice. So maybe I'll hand it over to you. Okay. So we'll do a guided meditation with the um, working with this hindrance of restlessness and worry. So if you want to just take a moment to get comfortable in in your meditation posture. I'm going to start by just sharing kind of the simile that is referenced in the suttas. Um, One of the similes is the idea that restlessness and worry is like on a pond of water when it's very windy. So the water becomes blown and choppy. And if you were going to look into the water to see, try and see a reflection of yourself, to try and see what's going on here, it's not possible because the water is all stirred up. So it's another way for us to notice the mind in this state, to help recognize it, is what does that, when you try and look in your own mind, and try and figure out what's going on, and you have restlessness and worry present, 
it's very difficult to get in to see what's underneath or to see yourself. And here's a quote from Gill's book that says, There is no rest in a mind that is like a wind-churned pond. There's no rest. So to start the meditation, we'll just connect with the present moment. Notice how you're feeling right here and right now. Maybe just even checking in with the hindrances and seeing if you're feeling the presence of any hindrance right at this moment. Energy from the evening or the day. And just acknowledging what you see. And as you're able to allow the breath to become more and more present for you to use the breath as much as possible as your anchor for this practice tonight. So working gently with yourself, inviting the mind and body to connect together with the experience of breathing in and breathing out. Inviting the body to release any unnecessary tension with the exhale. Breathing in is like this. And breathing out is like this. Just seeing if you can string together several inhales and exhales, just following one in and one out, and notice the arising of the in, just following the breath for a moment or two. as much as possible, just creating a a stable base from which you can reflect. A calm, clear mind as much as is possible.
and inviting a sense of curiosity and openness to be present and a sense of caring or kindness about our own experience. See if you can recall a simple or easy moment where you were beginning or noticed some sense of shakiness, restlessness, some over-excitement or agitation. Feeling that bouncing energy in the body And call to mind the situation, inviting yourself to remember as many details as possible about your setting, location, time, space, smell, temperature. And notice as you remember what happens in the body. Be with the feeling, the energy, as best you can. Be with the restlessness. Practicing patience not rushing, just tending to the experience of the agitation or energy, shakiness that's present, whatever amount that's there. Allowing the restlessness and the worry to have lots of space, to not feel rushed. An image I like for this is we can feel like we're in a closet or we can feel like we're in a cathedral. A great big open space with a high dome ceiling. And in this great open cathedral, there's a lot of room to allow things to come and go. Being in the presence of restlessness and worry feels like this. And in your own time, when you feel ready, when you've been with restlessness or worry enough, when you feel you've gotten to know it well, 
you can begin the process of examining how it arose. Looking at the situation and doing this, investigating restlessness and worry is not like going to McDonald's and getting a fast food burger. It's much more like having to tend to the food and grow the food and harvest the food. There's a lot more work and effort involved. Because it's so easy to get caught back in that restlessness and that worry. And so checking into the conditions that allowed it to arise. Maybe asking yourself if there's some frustration. Is there some pent-up energy, unresolved energy? Did you sleep well or not the night before? Have you eaten healthy foods? Is there fear or resentment? A sense of dissatisfaction? And sometimes even love and care fuel worry. being interested in all the things that are being covered up. And when you're ready, in your own time, when you feel you have connected fully with how this hindrance came into being, you can work on lessening it by supporting more relaxation in your body and mind and heart if it's possible. Creating even more space, maybe taking the top off the cathedral, an open sky, sun, Fresh air can come in. You may want to shift your awareness away from the physical sensations and focus instead on just the underlying causes. While relaxing the thinking mind, more a practice of being with than thinking about. You may choose to give more attention to the breath. Noticing how what you do either fuels more restlessness and worry or allows it to soften.
observing with curiosity how you're relating to this affects the experience and learning from that. And as it lessens and as you're ready to let go, letting go more and more as much as possible and noticing moments of it lessening, noticing moments of calm or ease If, in this process, you were unable to help it soften and lessen, it may be very wise to stand and do walking meditation. Or it may be very wise to stop meditating and make amends to someone you've harmed. There are times when this hindrance calls on us to take right action. But if possible, if possible to stay, stay. If possible to let go, even a little bit, let go. If it's pain causing it, it's important to address the pain. If it's sleep or hunger, it's important to make a commitment to sleeping more or differently or eating differently. And if and when and as this hindrance lessens, appreciating and noticing as more ease comes into the body or more ease comes into the mind, as the energy becomes more free to use in other ways. Perhaps recalling a situation where restlessness and worry was absent, appreciating that feeling and knowing that it isn't always here. It can be very helpful to recognize the benefits to ourselves and to others that come when we calm and center our energy. And to reflect on the ways that we are nourished, deeply nourished and supported by a heart deeply at rest in itself. So in that meditation, Tonya reminded us of this simile of the boiling, oh, windy, windy water. And then she brought us through the bella process, that is to first 
be with the hindrance than to examine the hindrance. That could be examining the, how does it feel, what is the experience, as well as examining how did it arise without making a too complicated investigation into this, right? And then to lessen, see if we can soften, and then let go as best we can. And then A is to acknowledge any, um, if it has, has lessened, acknowledge the absence of it. What does it feel like to have lessened or to bring to mind a time when it hasn't been there? That can be really helpful to prevent us from like um, identifying like, oh, I'm always restless. If we are bringing to mind like, oh yeah, I wasn't restless some other time, that can help us often. So does anybody have any comments or questions about that meditation? That was very powerful. Um, I didn't think I could go back into really feeling how it felt, like that felt sense. Like I started, I was really kind of in the cognitive. And uh, I was like, wow, I wonder if I can really feel it. I don't feel anything. And then I really felt it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm strangled. <laughs> that was painful. Oh. I love the cathedral. It really helped mm. open up. It's like, okay, I could take a few breaths. But the question I have is, when you said to investigate what caused it, so I found that it was fear, even before you said the word. It's very obvious. Um, But then my mind went to thinking, hmm, I don't know if it's really fixing, but my mind went into thinking, is there a way to do this task without fear? Um, And how could I do this task with a mindset of confidence? Um, And I don't know if like that's really going into fixing or because I got stuck on that, you know, I I, I this is related to writing. Um and um I'm writing something related to business and then I thought about um writing a poem that um just came to me and it just was whew. And I was like can I be like writing this thing in that same state of mind? So what do you do when... I felt when, when I found what was underneath, it's almost like my mind became even more agitated or back to agitation on how can I fix this, you know? Yeah. I see you fear, okay, like... <laughs> 
Can't you just be confident? (laughs) That's so great that you could see, you know, because you came up with some beautiful ideas and ways out, right? A question is, okay, you found, you connected with the fear. So one thing that can be helpful is just to re-invite curiosity in again. What am I afraid of? What are the beliefs here? If I don't do this well, then something's going to happen, or I can't write anymore, or I'm going to look stupid, or just what is the fear? Like, oh yeah, there's fear. Wait, let me see you. (laughs) Like, really like, oh, uh, what? I know I'm afraid, but what am I afraid of? You know, so I mean, I felt... I felt that, and I felt that it was, it's almost like there's someone else, a discussion in my head, right? Because I've had this fear for a year, and I'm like, okay, this thing should really be done. I'm, I'm starting a new <laughs> company, and so it's just like, you know, just get on with it. And the fear is still there. Yeah. So I would say that you want to spend more time having tea with your fear. Mm. Yeah, that there's that this idea of rushing and figuring it out. It, it's clearly still coming up because there's something there to be experienced and connected with and seen and understood. Mm. Which you're saying makes sense because then when I was kind of trying to be, okay, could I just replace this with confidence? Then I got even more agitated. So what you said makes a lot of sense. Great. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think fear, it's not uncommon for fear to be underneath so much of this. And part of this practice is to say, okay, here's fear. And it doesn't have to be so much of a problem. It's just fear. It's our experience. And we feel fear. And Maybe it affects us, but it doesn't have to be such an effort to get rid of this or to make it be otherwise or something like this. Fear is is so pervasive and powerful and may be with us for a long time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what, what was interesting, what I discovered tonight was kind of like, no wonder why I can't write this. Like, see what's going on in your mind? This mind cannot be thinking straight. (laughs) Right? This mind cannot be creative. It's just like whatever image one of you shared about the water or thing. It's like... Right. Um, I I guess I want to just also emphasize and sort of highlight that so often when we're starting to connect with what's going on, let's say fear, there's that movement of the mind to try and fix and, um, you know, problem solve takes us away from the present moment, from connecting. And this habit, I'm amazed at how much I see restlessness and worry and subtle ways in my life at the most unexpected times everything is going just fine driving down the road notice the clock 
And then just there's something there. The mind just grabs and starts to like leave this experience of just being in this beautiful, serene moment and driving and everything's fine. And so if I buy into whatever the mind creates as something to think about, right, and problem solve, I'm going to really leave for a long time, <laughs> right? And so, and so the idea is, if, if I get caught up in these ideas and the worries and the thoughts, I will lose for a long time this experience of being present with what is. This place of ease, this place of contentment or presence. Yes, Peter. Can we find a microphone that finds its way over here? Sorry. I'll take one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, thank you for those helpful metaphors. I found the cathedral really helpful as well. I guess I just wanted to testify about the value of this. I had a really um, positive experience tonight before coming here with fear and restlessness. I had to do some public speaking that was high stakes and it evokes a lot of fear, a lot of restlessness, and a lot of aversion for me. And um, I've been practicing a lot with these techniques the last couple of weeks. And um, I just tend to forget all this stuff when the rubber hits the road I forget it all I can't remember any of the great notes I, it's all gone it's all gone I'm just my just my old you think it's self gone. You think I think it's I think gone. it's gone but, he, but that's exactly right so today I was doing this tonight just before sliding in here and getting out of my zoot suit and coming here um, I had to give this talk in front of a lot of people high stakes and I didn't have a lot of time to prepare it and I just heard all these voices in my head coming up, like, you're an asshole. <laughs> Why didn't you prepare this thing? <laughs> and, and, um, and look at those faces out there. They all hate you. And, and, um, and, um, and, you know, one of the slides and the PowerPoint thing had a typo in it. And, like, you know, so... And I, and I, and I, and I saw that, and I heard it. And without having to remember this stuff... You know, something good happened. It was like, oh, there's a version. Nice. <laughs> there's self-recrimination. That's what I do. I kind of beat myself up. And I kind of was not, I said, well, I don't have to pick that up. I don't have to go that way. I can just sort of pretend, or not pretend, but just like, I don't have to engage in that judgment. It wasn't helpful. It wasn't going to be skillful. And I just kind of went ahead and looks like it, it looked like it went okay and um so i guess i just wanted to say that and i wanted to thank you and thank the group i i find that this this stuff may work at some unconscious level even when i'm not working at it so hard or trying to remember at least for me it it seems to maybe in this instance this evening kind of kicked in in a good way and it gives me faith that um maybe there's hope for this <laughs> so um, 
So I was, uh, I was pleased by that. So thank you. Yes, Peter. Sometimes having like direct experience is the most powerful way to learn something. So maybe you had the experience of here or practicing with it of a hindrance and then noticing the hindrance and then not being quite as caught up in it. And that's a type of wisdom of having that experience of, oh yeah, the hindrance is here, but I'm not completely caught up with it. That we remember somehow, even if we don't remember all the words or it's neat and tidy in our mind somehow, but having that felt experience is very powerful. And that's exactly what this practice is about, is creating the conditions in which we have experiences and we, some wisdom can be there that can arise when we need it. And we use words and concepts. We need to. They're important and they have a role. But it's not just that. Right? I think you're, you're pointing to that. So should we... What, what do you think we should do here? No, I think we should do the small group discussions. Okay. Um, and... Um, yeah. You like having the small group discussions, right? Yeah. 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 So let's, uh, we'll break up um, just in two groups and like maybe Joe to this side and then you guys over to this side. So two groups of four. And um, I'll give you the question in a moment. But a way that we will do this is it won't be like a conversation. Instead, it'll be you'll be creating something together. So there'll be a question and one, the first person will give an answer. It doesn't have to be a big story, just an answer. Part of an answer, even, maybe. Yes, yes. Just like a sentence. Yeah. Or even a few words, if that's all that's there for you. Exactly. It could just be one word. Mm -hmm. And then the next person goes, answers the question. The third person, the fourth person. And then it comes around to the first person again. And they have heard what everybody else has said. And maybe something else comes to mind. And then they say something else. And then everybody else goes around another time. So in this way, you're kind of like create, you're influencing each other. You get reminded of things. You learn from each other. But you're not so much having a conversation. You're not giving each other advice. You're just sharing something that comes to mind. And you just keep on going around the circle. Whatever seems appropriate. It can be a single word, but what we would like to do is not a big complicated story. That's, that's not what's needed right now. It's more just uh, something that uh, can be a sentence. Yeah, it's, a, it's really probably going to be a part of a story. You know, you, you just one observation, you know. Maybe it's really important for you to, to say out loud, I noticed that... When I feel worried, I feel like I'm pushing back in my chair. That might be all that's right to say. So here's the question. What beliefs do you have that support your worry or restlessness? What, what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about others that tends to result in restlessness or worry? What kind of? What are some of these underlying beliefs that you have? So I might offer um, an idea like, um, if I don't get it right, then something bad will happen. That is something would, that would feed restlessness and worry, right? 
That yeah. would be an answer I would give that would say what I might think or do that would feed restlessness or worry. So you guys want to make a little circle over You want to move over there? So um, just taking a couple of deep breaths again back and sort of just sort of um, opening up the cathedral to allow (laughs) some fresh air in. Um, Just want to sort of drop in a few just sort of summary reflections or even offer a couple of new reflections. And I want to invite you to just sort of let this wash in and out, okay? You don't need to remember all of this. You don't even, you know, you can even just stay with what you're aware of that's helping you right now. You don't, this is, you know, this is just an offering and let what is useful guide and support and what isn't, let it go, right? So one idea that we just want to really encourage is to try the practice of letting things be without fixing. Just to really create space. And you might need to sort of slowly work with yourself to give more space for things to just be in your meditations and in your life. And maybe you need to titrate that for yourself because it's hard. But to really consciously choose to let things just be without fixing, to have that experience. I've known people who um, got injured in meditation because they felt like they shouldn't move when they're sitting. So to me it's important to also just remind you to take care of your bodies and that if you have pain that can be addressed, to address it, to do things to take care of your body. Another um, thought is that sometimes we think we need worry, that it, it serves a purpose, and that so we're reluctant to give up the idea of having worry. And um, I guess what I want to say about that is that if we're living a mindful life, if we're really paying attention to how we're showing up and we stay present with ourselves, the wisdom will be there, right? That, That we will live in a way that is ethical and clear and to the best of our ability and that if you notice worry coming up you might there's times to pick it up and times not to pick it up and the time to pick it up might be a time like where it's more a warning you're you're about to lie or you just lied a, a little bit and it doesn't feel right or 
oh, I think you're taking that pen home and it really is works, <laughs> right? Like there, there might be little ways that that energy arises for you and you can look and say, okay, is this pointing to something that's really important for me to acknowledge? So then you can sort of fix it, right, by literally bringing the pen back or, you know, making amends in a situation. And those are the times that, you know, worry can be useful, more like a guidance. Most of the time, though, if you pick up worry, you create more worry, right? It just, it's, it's like those um, travel, and when you're driving and you come to those loops, and there's lots of ins and outs, but you just keep going around and around. And you might leave it for a minute and then come back into the next loop, right? You just keep getting hooked back in and around and around. And that energy builds on itself. And we build these cases and we're judge and jury and we have all this stuff going on, you know, that we're trying to fix or prevent or defend. So it can be helpful to really pay attention before you pick it up. You want to add some more stuff? Yeah, so maybe I'll add that to a belief, maybe you guys talked about this, that really uh, is often underneath worry. We may be conditioned, socialized to think that's how you show you care. That's how you know you care. So if you worry about something or worry about somebody. But if you look at it, you'll realize that actually worrying doesn't benefit, doesn't support the person or this thing, whatever it is that you're worrying about. It doesn't actually make a difference. But we just may think that, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, or this is how I express that I care. So it's just something to notice that, okay, this is a belief that I have. Can you put this belief down? Can you soften it? And maybe I'll also say that I pointed to where we may, um, a subtle type of restlessness is kind of like this probing, wanting to learn more, understand, investigate. And that may be entirely appropriate in particular areas of our life. And it may be appropriate for a certain moment of uh, meditation to understand what's really happening. Maybe part of examining is to look. But there's a time to put it down also. As we're getting still more, we can see that how the mind just keeps on wanting to go. So building on what Tanya said, this idea of knowing when to pick things up and when to put them down is really powerful. And that you brought up a very interesting point. Um, I, th- I think, like in relationships, sometimes... Um, you are expected to show worry, right? And, and that's it. And because it happened to me over the weekend. My wife wasn't feeling well, and since the time, you know, I, I've become more and more mindful over time, and I don't um, show that much worry. And but I, you know, do give solutions, right? I do help out, but not showing worry is is you know uh, seen as you don't care. Uh, enough, right? So, how do you? Uh, it's just very interesting to like kind of think about it and what that really means. You know, how do how do you um, handle that situation? Yeah. Yeah. So, I would make a distinction between concern and worry. 
Worry has this kind of obsessive, compulsive quality to it of going around and around and around. Whereas concern is, you know, paying attention and making sure that somebody is comfortable or has what he or she needs or something like this. Do you want to add something? Um, Just that sometimes, too, it's helpful to pay attention and maybe have a conversation about what it actually feels like when somebody worries about you. Right? Like, I know my kids hate hate it when I worry about them. <laughs> they really don't like it, right? It's, it's oppressive, and I actually don't like it when people worry about me either because it contra- I feel contracted and, you know, like, you know. So, so sometimes it's good to explore maybe, maybe we use that word and we think we want to be worried about, but really what we want is somebody to take care of us or bring us some food or do something else to make us feel loved because we don't feel well, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. So we have just a few minutes. Would somebody like to make a comment or? Can, Can you use the mic? How do you make someone in the situation you describe that is worrying for you and it's really not helping or making it worse? Mm-hmm. How do you explain that to that person? I'm struggling. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I will say the impact. Like, I'll say, so when you worry, you start, your mind starts to think that this bad thing is going to happen. And when I see that your mind is thinking a bad thing is going to happen to me, my mind gets tense and imagines bad things happening too. And I don't actually find that helpful. I don't think it makes me safer. I think it makes me more unsafe. And so I, you know, I appreciate that you care and can we take a deep breath I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, this is this is a real thing for me. I don't know what's funny for you, but no, I've tried. <laughs> Just like mm-hmm. I guess I have people in my life to tell like big warriors. Yes. And there's just nothing I can tell to make them understand that I don't feel more loved. <laughs> yes. And and I think that that's that some people get very very caught in worry. I really, like, I've seen people get incredibly consumed by it and then live their life in that way, and it's pretty painful. Yeah, so so then we can shift to compassion. Yeah. Can we have compassion for this person who is, has, is eaten up inside in some way, right, with worry and not able to put it down? So can we shift towards compassion instead of trying to wish that they were otherwise if they don't seem like they can go there? And then we get to practice equanimity, right? To work on our own sense of well-being, our own sort of bringing it back to our own sense of ease in the middle of the, the hurricane, right? The eye of the storm. To be present with it and know it's not ours. And I just want to make a quick comment that I'm, really happy that you made a distinction about worry and concern Mm. and I'll start using that more often Mm. I just I'm concerned about you or I'm concerned about this situation 
and not worried. Thank you. So thank Thanks. you. It's the last few minutes, but um, I'm trying to make the most out of it. <laughs> um, so when I am in a situation that it's more peaceful, I get a chance to meditate, then I can distinguish a lot of these things and bring back myself to more you know, neutral, balanced place. But as you just mentioned, outside, it's, it feels sometimes like a tornado, that mm-hmm. you're really in the eye of it. So any tips that when you are in the middle of a heated situation or, you know, you're in the middle of, you know, all these worries coming your way or all these things happening to you or around you, to kind of catch yourself and be able to kind of have that pause and a moment to be able to reflect. Because sometimes it's just hard to focus and be able to detach yourself or remove yourself from the situation. So again, any any tip would be very helpful. Thank you. Um, I would just offer that maybe in that situation, like the hurricane situation, there's some great equanimity meditation practices that I find helpful. Some of the phrases like, you know, just first of all, if I'm in the eye of the storm, to notice what it's like to be still and steady. A lot is happening around me, but, but I'm okay, right? And so just to breathe into that, to, to really connect with that. And may I be safe, you know, you could do the may I be safe or, you know, breathing in, I calm my body, breathing out, I calm my mind, which comes from a um, Jack Cornfield um, uh, equanimity practice. So just that, that phrase helps me a lot, breathing in, I calm my body, breathing out, I calm my mind. And may I be, you know, open, balanced, and calm. May I learn to see the rising, the beginning and ending of all these things. See them come up and see them go away with openness, with ease, with balance. So just reminding myself that that's how I want to be in the situation brings calm to my body. Thank you. And then maybe the last thing I'll add is I I do the same practice. I feel my feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. Don't underestimate how powerful that is. If, and that can help set the stage when you can do these things. Feeling your feet on the ground, it's so simple, but somehow it brings you grounded into the present moment. Thank you. So Tanya and I will stay here for a little bit if you want to um, ask us questions. Otherwise, we wish you a great evening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Next week is both uh, Sloth and Torpor and Doubt. We're going to do them together. Oh.